Hi, I'm Craig Lance. I'm Will Davison. I'm Mark Winterbottom. I'm Greg Murphy. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The enduro seats are filling. The new sticky tyres will debut in pink. You know, soft tyres going to be very, very interesting. And the pigs look for three in a row. I'm a little bit concerned about the speed of the 888 cars. I mean, they've been dominant, really dominant uh, all year. We preview Winton today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insider. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Dunlop and the V8 Supercars have teamed up with the McGrath Foundation to see a pink sidewall set of Dunlop SP Sport Max Sprint tyres given to each of the teams for practice at Winton this weekend. The pink sidewall set is the only set of SP Sport Max Sprint tyres that teams can use in practice all season. Come race day and the soft compound will have a yellow sidewall and there'll be a lot of concern on pit lane how the planned degradation will affect the outcome of the events. The thing that no one's really thought about that's going to be a massive factor on the weekend is there's a massive speed difference between cars that are on that tyre and cars that aren't. Uh, you know, with a lot of the driving that we've got in the category, uh, there's going to be a lot of misjudgments between drivers, and there's going to be a lot of accidents in my, you know, in my prediction, because cars will be misjudging how fast the car in front of them is going to go, so um, or is going at that at that time. So I, you know, I'm interested to see how that plays out, and you know, we just need to be aware that there is going to be cars that are, have got a considerable speed advantage or disadvantage at you know at set times. Jim Beam Racing has announced its enduro drivers, Warren Luff and Jonathan Webb, joining Pretty Boy and Junior, whilst at FPR, they have confirmed that Dean Canto and Luke Gilden will be with Frosty and Richo. Last year at Winton, there was a three-way tie on points for the round. This year, there will be two races. And with a change to events in 2009, new tyres, fuel stops, what do the drivers think of their chances in the only regional southern round of the series? Yeah, we're expecting big things. Hopefully we can, uh, we can get a win on the board. Um, you know, we'll be going there to win and, um, and we've, we're always very quick there at test days, so look out. Uh, no, I mean, calculations and strategies are going to be a big part and, uh, you know, soft tyres going to be very, very interesting. The 80-litre fuel tank, so fuel economy and... Uh, and whatnot's going to be crucial. So we, we haven't really um, 100% worked out how it's all going to be. You've got to play that by ear over the weekend, what our economy's going to be like, whether you know whether we have to, can get through in two stops or one stop in the main race, whether we can get through the 100k race without pitting or whether we have to do a quick splash and dash. So it's going to be, yeah, I mean, it is going to create more, more, uh, more unknowns than here this weekend. You know, we thought there was some lottery and... St- strategy in this weekend it's going to be twice as bad at Winton so I think I think that should play into our hands well you know the, the bigger teams bigger resources hopefully I'd like to think that uh, you know we can catch on to some of the secrets earlier than everyone else um, but yeah it's going to be pretty full on. 
as far as the team goes, I just can't wait to get back in the car. The Jack Daniels cars are really quick at uh, New Zealand in practice and our weekend went downhill from there so we would have liked to have got a result there and it didn't happen and uh, the potential's there and the, and the speed's building and building as we develop the cars so just you know, at the point of the year where just can't wait to get in, in the car at every race meeting and uh, see if, it, if we've made improvements. Well, look, to be fair, I haven't really done much work around Winton. Obviously, I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm a new boy on the block with this team. And uh, my team, BOC Commodore, I've, I've, I did about half half a day um, in testing. And I, I had a wee off, so I, I wasn't able to compete, complete the amount of laps I would have liked. And we're actually going to test a week after Winton. And unfortunately, by the time the cars get back from here, and there's no free test days. And there's a testing ban always on a week before, before the event. So um, there's no possible... Um, ability for us to test so I'll actually go to Winton a little bit um, you know, it's not like I'm getting the home track advantage I'm almost like a Queenslander coming down into a new with a new car so uh, I'm a li- I have to be honest I'm a little bit concerned about the speed of the 888 cars I mean they've been dominant really dominant uh, all year and you know we're starting to see more of their customer teams now with them as well, with the G- G- um, Jim Beam Racing guys and uh, obviously Fabian Coulthard as well. So, um, you know, there's actually five of them now sort of taken, you know, best part of the top four positions. So we need to, uh, as Holden teams, I mean, it's very much a Holden um, test track. It's basically only Ford Performance Racing who test at Winton as, as a Ford team. The rest it's all Holden teams. So really uh, we need to be, uh, you know, giving them a bit of a, hiding there because um, that they've already dealt it to us over the last few race meetings but ironically in the past Ford's actually gone really strong at Winton and Holden goes really well at, um, at Queensland which is their test track so I think what happens with the test track scenario is the rubber goes down, the track changes so you, you, you old you, know, you set up what, you, what you, you, you know, come to over testing is now irrelevant Sydney Siders mark your calendar following the final sign off for the Sydney 500. The party is about to start with the official launch of the newest event on the circuit to take place at Martin Place on May 16 at 10am. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Gordon Lomas and Mark Fogarty join me. Then later we find out how the Hamilton Street Race ensured they did not suffer the sophomore slump. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi I'm Rick Kelly from Jack Daniels Racing and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from V8X Magazine, it's Gordon Lomas. Good evening, Gordo. Hi, how are you going, Craig? Not too bad at all, as the weather has certainly turned a lot colder for us in the southern states, as from Auto Action, the editor-at-large, Mark Fogarty, joins us on the line. And, uh, Mark, it is uh, certainly going to be a cold one at Winton. The weather certainly turned uh, down here in Victoria and, the southern, and, in fact, most of the southern states, so I think we can expect... The next couple of rounds on Saturday and Sunday are going to be running pretty brisk weather, if not cold. I mean, up in the northeast and around the Alps there, they've been having snow, 
um, which is good if you're into skiing or snowboarding, I suppose. But uh, hopefully we won't be uh, getting snow down on the ground at, uh, in the Benalla area. But I think if the weather is a bit dodgy, of course, that will make the racing more interesting. It will introduce some more variables. Of course, <laughs> couldn't get any more variables than this weekend with the introduction of the soft compound option tyre and um, the new refueling arrangement in, in race one. So there's plenty for the uh, race, en race engineers to be thinking about, and I'm told that most of them have been almost pulling their hair out in the last couple of weeks trying to work out the many, many permutations of uh, strategy options that they'll face. That's the thing, Gordo, isn't it? We have gone from a long period of very minor tweaking to this year where everything must change, everything must go, was the uh, fire sale as Scafey walked out the door, wasn't it? Uh, every rule's been changed, every computation that you might make is out the window. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we've, how many times have we said it this year? You know, it's it's almost starting like starting 2009 with a clean sheet of paper, um, and uh, the sticky tyre, the soft tyre, certainly um, is going to uh, you know throw a, a, a joker into the into the pack this weekend. And um, you know, I, I'd like to think that you know the, the the gun teams out there, like the HRTs of this world and and the Triple Eights of this world, I think their engineers, while they may be tearing their hair out, they'd be you know, quick to react to this sort of thing um, and get their chassis to work, you know, immediately uh, for the uh, for the new uh, soft uh, compound tyre. Last year, when you talk about close racing, this round had three drivers sitting on identical points at the end of the weekend. And now that we don't have rounds, we'll, we'll never see that sort of... Um, We'll never see that sort of result. I, I think cams are keeping round stats, but uh, this event's... Bizzo. Uh, I, one, I don't think Channel 7's got their head around it, and uh, number two, most of the punters have either. Well, we still have rounds. Each race is now an individual round, and that's caused some of the controversy earlier in, at the beginning of the series when there was only one qualifying session, and the argument raised, raised that the results of race one, of the first race should determine the grid for the second race, and V8 supercars attitude was, well, no, these are standalone rounds now, so you can't have the result of race one affecting um, the grid for race two, and that argument was settled when they introduced a separate 20-minute qualifying session for the second race or the second round. So we've still got rounds, we just don't have the overall result when we used to have, you know, three races at a sprint round meeting, as it were. So we can't, as you pointed out, have the tie that we had at Winton last, um, last year, but uh, it doesn't mean that honours can't be split, and... Um, Things can't change rapidly. I mean, it looks like Jamie Wincup and Triple Eight um, probably set to dominate again, although Winton's a little bit of a different proposition. But they're the, the gun combination at the moment. It's up to the others, particularly the likes of HRT, to lift their game. And uh, Winton, all things being equal, is probably their best shot of doing that. But over the last two years, Winton has not been their best shot. And we've regularly seen, well, the last two years, the... Triple Eight cars have won the round, albeit that last year it was a three-way tie between two Queensland teams and HRT. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> Craig, I, I, you know, I, I think there's there's too way too many variables, um, you know, in the mix this weekend to be uh, to be suggesting that three drivers are going to be, you know, even if there was three races this weekend, which there's not, 
um, are going to be locked, um, you know, on the same points at the end of the weekend. I just think, I just think the whole weekend's a lottery. You know, Triple Eight have won what, what's there been seven races this year, including the Grand Prix. Triple Eight have won six of those. Um, I, I don't think you'll see that kind of dominance this weekend. Qualifying change. I have to say, I thought it was a winner, and I am looking forward to seeing those shootouts right throughout the rest of the year now for the Sunday. The Saturday format um, makes the qualifying interesting. Um, I'm not so convinced about the top ten shootout component. That's boring as batshit. Yeah, I'm still old-fashioned enough to like the, uh, the immediately previous system and then the old system like in Formula One where an hour or half an hour of final qualifying and okay, it was boring for a little bit, but in the last like five minutes you had this almighty rush and people banging in fast laps, you know, right down to the death knell, and that was extraordinarily exciting. And it worked pretty much that way last year when they went from the shootout to that, um, you know, first leg, second leg, and then the third leg, um, 10-minute session or whatever it was, um, and people, you know, rushed around and you had the, you know, the dive for the hot lap right at the end. That was exciting. I'm not a fan of the top 10 shootout, but I think it's a commercial reality and the top 10 teams or the cars like to get this you know individual sponsor exposure that's no reason to justify it as far as i'm concerned but you know it's what it is and putting a second qualifying session in before the the second round on the sunday answered all the complaints and criticisms we had at adelaide and yeah why not they've changed it again for winton they've moved it further away from the start of the race so it's about two a bit more than two hours out so that gives the teams time to work on the cars, repair cars, more importantly, if something goes wrong. And they've also extended the the, the window for extending the session um, if there's a red flag, red flag period like there was in Hamilton, which, you know, Jamie Wincup was upset because he was on his hot lap to set to clinch pole and they red flagged it and that lap was disallowed. So they're putting a bigger window in for upsets and they particularly want to make sure that um, a car doesn't get knocked out of the race because of an accident and not having enough time left between the finish of the session and the start of the race to make repairs. Now, we missed out on Tim Slade in Hamilton, and to be blunt about it, I don't think anyone was crying over that particular bit of spilt milk, but in the bigger picture, I think the authorities are worried that you know if one of the top guns gets knocked out um, of the race meeting just because of that qualifying, well, that's not acceptable, so they're giving the teams as much room to manoeuvre as they can. You see, I don't agree with that, and uh, after the break we might talk more about why I don't agree with it because it defeats the purpose of what they'd set out to do in the first place and uh, well did everyone leave Hamilton because Jamie Wincup didn't race in any race last year when he was knocked out in qualifying it's an interesting one we'll speculate on that and more after the break here on the V8 Insiders the views expressed on V8 Insiders including the panellists and guests do not reflect those of the network Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Craig Lowndes from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. It's Vogues from Auto Action and Gordo from V8X joining us as we uh, look into this Winton weekend. And, uh, well, it's certainly going to be wet and wild in... It's probably not the same way as you get up here at the uh, theme park next to Dreamworld. But just before the break, we were talking about the uh, qualifying. One thing I think is uh, fair to say is that uh, that little short shoot in the Sunday morning does now make the two days a bit more so on Saturday you get to see qualifying a race and now on Sunday you get to see qualifying in a race and up until they made that change it was getting to a stage where Saturday was always a better day than Sunday really if all you followed was V8 supercars because you also had the Fujitsu was on a Saturday which you didn't have as a Sunday if you're going for a pure punter experience uh, Gordo. Yeah, look, I I I, um, I warmly welcome the Sunday format. Um, I I was uh, lucky enough to, uh, uh, like a, like uh, every other punter out there, um, was able to watch it on TV um, at, at Hamilton. I, I didn't go over this year, um, and it was very very exciting television. And and I think the fact that um, you know it's crammed into that twenty minute format. Um, you know, it is actually the making of the session because it makes it, you know, every move is an absolute desperation, basically. And uh, as folks pointed out before, you know, the V8 supercars have moved to um, to uh, allow for any red flags uh, or whatever else it is. Uh, it's not open slather. I think it's like a 15-minute period they can extend it to. So, uh, And the other thing um, is distancing it out from the race. Um, the other side to that was that... Um, you know, they're also looking at um, support category programs and, and you know, uh, schedules on track other than V8 supercars. So um, there was a few things um, that uh, were in the mix for the decision to uh, to make the tweaks after Hamilton. Mm. It, it, it's an interesting one because, uh, and it was, it was funny how quickly the attitude changed, but... Uh, uh, Jamie was saying to me just uh, a few days before Hamilton, oh, yeah, it's going to be maniacal. It's a little be fantastic. The idea is the qualifying's right before the race, so everyone has to go out there and race set up, and you'll see the fastest car in race set up. And, uh, well, now with these other changes, yeah, no, we're going to see the cars in qualifying trim again and then go back out in race trim. And I, I think watching the cars go over the line in race trim was that little bit extra for me. That's what I was enjoying. That was never going to happen, though, Craig, in reality, because um, although they do have a qualifying setup for the cars, as I understand it, <clears throat> it's not radical. It's basically tweaking the settings um, to get more grip out of the tyres, and it's different from race in a race setup. In a, it's a very aggressive setting with the suspension settings, and they get maximum grip over a short distance you know, to maximise the lap time. The cars would never survive in race distance in that for, in that setup, but that's how they, as I'm led to understand, how the the gun teams anyway, that's what they do to get their quality. So it's actually a very simple um, procedure and a very quick procedure to change it back to what you would call um, a less aggressive race setup because the rules just don't allow the teams to make you know wholesale changes throughout the cars. Um, you know they can't have qualifying engines, special setups, and things like that. So. 
I think it was a bit of a furphy to think in the first place that it was ever going to force them to, you know, qualify in in race setup. About you know the only real variation, I suppose, you know, they'll be running obviously a very light fuel load in that in qualifying, but otherwise they just tweak the setups um, to get the maximum grip over a very short distance from the tyres. Now let's talk about uh, that low fuel load because it looks like the uh, move to the other fuel cell is not going to happen immediately now and we're going to see tyres and fuel and one thing that certainly came out of Adelaide that a lot of people said to me was yeah it was good to see the fuel stop and see the tyre stop but you could change the tyres before the fuel went in and that sort of made it a bit pointless. I was wondering if, even if, you know, I know they're changing to the smaller tank for not only it takes shorter time to fill or it'll uh, mean they can put less in and that guarantees the fuel stop in the length of the race, but I was wondering if we couldn't go to a sports car, Le Mans-style fuel and tyre stop where you can do one or the other at any period of time, but you can't do them both together. And that then brings in the element of if the tyre changes screw up, that's costing you time on the racetrack, which is what we haven't seen in the first two rounds because they've got time to repair that error before the fuel stop finishes. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's something that could be looked at, but, um, you know, it, is it going to be a better solution? I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, and the reason they're not going to the uh, smaller fuel cell this weekend, which is the 80-litre capacity, which is 40 litres short of what... Um, what the capacity they've been running in um, over the years um, is that um, they've gone overseas for the supplier and it's only one supplier and uh, there's been a delay on the shipping um, and so rather than um, make teams rush, you know, rush the whole process and, and have them in place for Winton, they've actually relaxed it and, um, and uh, have delayed the, uh, the um, introduction of the 80-litre tank until the uh, next round at Simmons Plains. Mm. But here's another, folks. This is another time where they're making a competition change to spice up the racing that's costing the team money in these hard economic times. Indeed. Um, I'm opposed to all sorts of... all forms of pit stops in sprint racing, just full stop. It's a complete nonsense. If you want me to ride well, that particular uh, hobby horse. But um, the, the reason they went to the reduced fuel capacity... Um, this control fuel tank, which the teams are actually paying for ultimately because although V8 supercars um, in the end decided they would supply them free to each, to the teams, you know, one for each car, um, <laughs> the teams own 75% of V8 supercars. So where does that money come from? It's going to come off their disbursement at the end of the year. So the teams are actually, you know, indirectly um, paying for these new control fuel tanks, which... Um, well, paying As 75% said, of you know, them anyway. arrived too late to um, comfortably be fitted to all the cars this weekend. They actually arrived uh, apparently last Thursday, um, but they thought it was too much of a rush. So instead, they've uh, made the team, they're making the teams in the Saturday round at Winton um, refuel, take on 50 litres, at least 50 litres, but 50 litres, and they're controlling that allocation by marking. Um, a certain level, 150 millimetres up on the sight tube on the control fuel rigs, that equates to 50 litres. And during your pit stop, whenever you choose to, to do it, um, you empty the fuel rig and put in the 50 litres. When you stop, it can be any, anywhere in the race, and you can start the race with as much or as little fuel as you want. So that's another 
um, tactical variation that the teams have. They can also, it's not compulsory, but of course they will, but you can make your tyre stop at the same time. But, I mean, I just don't get why we're having pit stops in what are particularly in a 100-kilometre sprint race. Um, it just looks ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. The cars basically don't need to stop for fuel. You know, pit stopping for fuel makes it look like they've got really, really bad fuel consumption, which, of course, compared with road cars, they have. And stopping for tyres, you know, particularly after, you know, as few as five laps or something, just looks complete nonsense. It, you know, if, if I was sitting out there just a punter, I'd be thinking, well, what's wrong with these tyres? They're so rubbish, they can't even go very far without changing them. So I would restrict pit stops just to genuine endurance races or, you know, maybe the 250-kilometre races, you know, in the longer events like Clipsal and the new Sydney 500. But otherwise, you know, these are sprint races, so let everyone go for it um, and let them have the choice of the um, normal tyres or if someone really wants to gamble, you know, let them try to get through on the, uh, the softer compound tyres. I don't think it's rocket science, but anyway... That's oh, my two cents worth on that one. Fair enough. Gordo, I'm going to uh, give you the first opportunity to answer this question without notice, and then we'll give folks a chance after that. Is it about gerrymanders in V8 supercars? They like to say that every race will be worth the same this year. And of course, every race is not worth the same this year, because if you win Sandown, or uh, sorry, if you win Philippist, you get double points. Now, is that not a gerrymander? Is that mean that those two races are worth more? Well, and, you know, I mean, and rightly so. I mean, you know, Bathurst is a 1,000 kilometres. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, infinitely, uh, you know, more difficult to win than a 200-kilometre race at Winton. So, um, you know, I'd, I mean, how, how, would you, how would you justify allocating 300 points to the round winner of Bathurst when a 200-kilometre race at Winton is worth the same amount of points. That's my argument. So I think it's quite justified in, um, you know, in the, in the long-distance uh, in, in the, in the long races, um, you know, certainly uh, doubling the points. I'm getting really uh, worried here, uh, Craig. I'm actually agreeing with Gordo on uh, pretty much everything he's said so far. This is very disturbing, Gordo. We never, never agree. Happened. We never agree any other time. So why why are we yeah. starting now? The one time I turned the mic on. Never happened in the history of our relationship. <laughs> no, I'm sure we'll find something as we go along. But we are. Yeah, no, I do agree that you know the longer races, they deserve more points. In fact, you could argue that the Bathurst 1000, you know, they should be awarding quadruple points. Well, certainly compared to the mileage they go in the rest of the races, because let's face it, it's the Clipsal Twin 250s. And at the end of the year, it'll be capped off by the Sydney Twin 250s. They're each race is an event, so there isn't a 500-kilometre... Yeah, well, it, you know, each round is 250 kilometres, so it's sort of false advertising, isn't it, saying that's 500? Gasson... Well, the total distance, at least this year, it's more accurate than the past, because if you look through, now they say, for example, the Desert 400 is actually... The total distance is 400 kilometres for a change because it's two 200-kilometre races. And I don't know if the Winton race happens to be the Winton 300. I don't know what they're actually calling it. But it would actually, for the first time, be actually 300 kilometres because in recent years they've been labelling races 400 and 300 and whatever else. And if you did the math, none of them added up to uh, anywhere near that, certainly. And the one that sticks out in my mind is the Bahrain round, which I could never work out how it got to be 400. But this year it is. So... Um, 
in terms of total distances, you know, they are correct. They're just not all in one block. But um, I think that's getting that's splitting hairs a bit too much. There will be 500 kilometres worth of V8 supercar racing at Sydney at Homebush, as there was at Clipsal. So I think you're being a bit harsh there, Craig. All right, guess and go time. This is the time where I'm sure you guys will agree to disagree. Question one, five, three minutes. Question one, should the series make an effort to go to more regional tracks or should they just stay to the cities and get everything on the streets? Of course they should be going to regional tracks. We should be going to more. There's no reason why the people out in the region shouldn't get to see V8 supercars. You know, thank God Winton's still there. It gives people up in the bush in Victoria a chance. Got it. Absolutely. I mean, Winton, you know, a lot of people up and down pit lane there that are going to be there this weekend complain about having to go back to Winton with their, you know, $2 million team operation and their corporates and whatever else, but it's the grassroots of our motorsport. It's where it all starts. If we don't have these sort of circuits, where is the future? They've got to have regional circuits. With the development series numbers being so low, should the V8 supercars open the Fujitsu series to main gang drivers, Gordo? Uh, no, I, I, no I, I absolutely don't agree with that. Of course it should be open to main game drivers to do guest appearances. It's the only way you'll ever get any interest in the Fujitsu series. I mean, it just doesn't get any coverage anywhere, and reasonably so, because it's just full of a pack of no-names. You know, that's the, one of the jobs of the development series, is for those no-names to become known names, as it were. But I reckon if you um, let main game drivers hop in every so often in sort of a miniature version of what they do in the nationwide series in NASCAR, um, it would lift the profile of the series and give the drivers who are aspiring to the main game, um, some uh, an actual moving target. Long-distance drivers, is it just the boring same old faces this year, folks? Not entirely. The lineup hasn't been completed. Um, mostly it is the usual suspects, but you've got um, some exciting people coming too. In particular, you've got the Triple World Touring Car Champion, Andy Prio, coming in for Walkinshaw Racing. And you've also got the top British touring car racer, James Thompson. He's going to be co-driving... Um, the Danish driver Alan Simonson, a regular with Triple Eight, in the second Triple Eight car. So there are a couple of very exciting drivers. People out here probably don't know much about James Thompson, but he's a real talent and he's a really interesting character as well. And I'm willing to go on the line now and say that's a top five team, Simonson and Thompson. Yep. I, I don't think it's a matter of the same old faces. I mean, you know, you talk about um, Fujitsu drivers, you know, and, uh, and you know, other lower open wheel drivers setting up, I'm stepping up to the plate. I mean, look at Leanne Tangig at, um, at Wilson Security there with, with Paul Cruikshank. I mean, that's, you know, that's going to generate fantastic publicity um, and, and she, you know, thoroughly deserves the drive. Um, and, um, you know, there's been a couple of other changes around the place. And, mind you, most, most, uh, most of the drives have been filled after, um, I think, FPR this morning or yesterday announced that um, uh, Dean Cando and Luke Yulden, who were their, you know, their pair last year, have confirmed for uh, the Enduros this year. All right. When will the grid hit 28 cars, Gotta? Uh, probably before the season's out. Um, if the economy um, has anything to do with it, I think you will find that there will be um, a couple of other licence holders that um, are on very, very shaky ground. Um, you know, if you listen to all the rumour and scuttlebutt around the place, there's probably, um, you know, outside the uh, outside the you know the the Team Kiwi thing changing hands, there's probably two or three other teams 
up and down the pit lane that that uh, financially probably will not see the year out. Definitely there will be casualties um, by the end of the season or during the off-season. However, I think there'll still be 30. I'm pretty sure there'll still be 30 cars next year because um, some of the big teams want to expand. Ford Performance Racing is one in particular that has ambitions to expand to a four-car team. So if a couple of licences suddenly go on the market, um, there's a pretty good chance that uh, they or someone like FPR will snap them up. So that's what will keep the numbers up to, to 30, despite V8 Supercars' declared ambition to get it back to 28. But um, in the short term, not quite. But I don't think it's too far away. Interesting that they're saying 5% out of the world economy is going to uh, occur because of the swine flu out of Mexico. Should we expect some parody arguments if a triple eight car wins again this weekend, Mark? I think there will definitely be calls for it. Um, it couldn't be done until after Winton anyway because apparently there's um, no mechanism to uh, have a parity review until after three events. That's what I'm told anyway. So um, if there's another runaway, I think you'll definitely find that some of the Holden teams will be um, calling for a parity review. And um, I think it pretty much it, it warrants looking into because um, those new FGs, um, they look a lot faster in many aspects, um, certainly consistently quicker over a race distance than the, than the BF. Got it. Yeah, look, the, the FG certainly got better turn in and, and um, you know, a few other areas there, they're quite well. But, look, I, I don't think you're going to see um, any kind of domination. As I said earlier in the program um, I, by Triple Eight this weekend, I just think there's far too many variables. And, uh, and the other thing is, you know... Um, Okay, the FG the FG has got out of the um, got out of the gates like a shot out of a gun, sure. But um, you know, wh- where were the parity calls when SBR was dominating for three seasons in a row? Where were the parity calls when HRT had all those years of dominance? You know, I mean, Triple um, Eight won the championship last year for the first time. They've won the opening two rounds this year, and all of a sudden, someone sparked a parity debate. Why? Well, actually. Parity was an ongoing argument in all those years. Yeah, only in the last couple of years that parity hasn't been an argument because Project Blueprint actually got some parity. Um, so that's why there's been re- relative stability. And if I can just add one thing, um, I reckon there's every chance of Triple Eight dominating this weekend, not just on speed and organisation, but they have been the, by far the smartest team so far this year, strategy-wise. They have just made the other top teams look like. Um, very ordinary organisations because they've killed the rest of them on strategy. They really have. I'll tell you what, our guess and go, we've had a shocking pit stop because we're now seven minutes into the three minutes of the five questions. Guys, uh, I have to say, Jamie Wincup is making a fantastic case for success ballast in V8 supercars. Mark, who's going to win at Winton this weekend? No way, success ballast? What are you talking about? Who's going to win this weekend? Jamie Wincup? I honestly don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'll stick with Will Davison. All right, that's all we have time for here on the V8 Insiders. After the break, we find out why Hamilton didn't have a sophomore slump. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, it's Bugs here. Jason Bugwana from the Sprint Gas Racing Team, and you are listening to V8 Insiders. 
take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This week's White Flag Lab, Peter Norton had a chance to speak to the organisers of the Hamilton Street Race. Um, it's a relief, yeah. Uh, we, um, you know, last year was really, really tough on us. But, um, you know, you're embarking on something new um, and there's always that thing in the back of your mind, are you going to get it ready on time? Um, so, you know, it was a tough year last year. We learnt a lot. Um, I was pretty, a bit of a harsh critic on, on the event last year and rated it about a 6 out of 10 openly. Um, this year we've stepped up to the mark we did an incredibly in-depth review of it and came up with 112 recommendations and I understand we've um, we've improved on about 90 something percent of those I'll wait and see what people have got to say um, you know nothing's perfect um, and you know but we we certainly stepped up and and I'm very very happy with the way the weekend ran Yes, it's funny that uh, you are one of the harshest critics of, of last year. Uh, most commentators were saying how fabulous it was for a, a first-year event to have so many things right. So uh, uh, I think you're being a little bit harsh on yourself. What are the sort of things that you fine-tuned for this year? Um, what we did this year, I mean, we had the main issue with the grandstand, which we resolved. Um, and, uh, but there were just, um, you know, there were um, issues with the circuit, so we improved on those. And uh, there's always going to be the controversy with the chicane. We'll see what happens with that one. But the improvements we did make to the circuit were well received by the drivers. Um, and, and it's just general things for our punter. You know, they are very, very important to us. They are the ones who um, are huge fans of this, hugely supportive, and, you know, um, make it, you know, um, so we can put this on. You know, they're very, very important to us financially. So it's about their experience and listening to what they had to say and their um, and I can't call them gripes because they're not. They're paying good money to be there. They're constructive criticism the way I see it. Um, and we went out of our way to make sure that we addressed what we possibly could. And so, yes, I'll be interested to get the feedback. But what I did notice, because I don't see a lot of what goes on outside of pit lane, etc., in the, in, the, in the concrete walls, because that's critical to me during the weekend, but I did not see it in the people all around the back of the pit area. It was a very relaxed crowd. They all seem to be really, you know, enjoying themselves. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, as I've wandered around the circuit, I've noticed that some of the bottlenecks in the crowd that were quite present uh, last year, uh, you've done a few simple measures that mean that bottlenecks weren't there. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't just a, a slightly lower crowd. Um, you'd, you'd had to actually put in some clever things to avoid those. Yeah, we did. We, we looked at them. And, and, yeah, crowd numbers, of course, are going to make a difference. However... Um, you know the bottlenecks were very obvious, as you as you rightly saw, and but also really obvious how to fix. So, and I'm pleased. I actually went for a walk for the first time. I walked out, went out of pit exit, and walked around the demarcation down to camera four, which is, um, you know, just out of turn one, and saw that one of the biggest bottleneck areas was just non-existent today. Yes, that, that was fabulous. Now, speaking of the crowd numbers, it must be a little bit frustrating for a promoter to make such a huge investment and then the global economy starts to slow down. Um, but I've also noticed that you've also tried to use that to your advantage in some of your promotions, that uh, you've highlighted the fact that the crowd would be lower, there wouldn't be so uh, overcrowding and other things. You've been quite innovative. Mm. Well, we, my business partner and I made a really conscious decision after last year to where we were entitled under the Resource Management Act, our resource consent, 
to increase the capacity, but we made the decision to actually lower the capacity because one of the big things of our feedback was visibility for the general emission customers, so we cut it by 10,000 per day, down to 150. So to get 123,000 of a capacity of 150 in this economy is not too bad for us, yeah. Yes, and I've also noticed that the Hamilton business community have uh, worked quite smartly in uh, working how how they can grab the the race punter and uh, shake their wallets a little bit, Um, whereas in some of the press last year, people complaining that the crowds just didn't knock their doors down. People have woken up a little bit more this year that uh, they actually have to go out and chase the the crowd themselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we bring the, the show to town, we bring the people to town, and uh, we're not in the, you know, the retail or the restaurant business, um, so we can't then, you know, finish running this in the day and then go in there at night to bring the people there. And I think the restaurants learn, and, and just like we did, you know, and I can't be too critical of them either. Just like we learned a lot in the first year, so did they. Um, we did things, a few measures that we put in place, like not running the concerts on two nights, so that the people leave the venue and go into town. Um, the rugby probably had a bit of a difference, and, and we're in the lap of the gods where the that's concerned with the IRB as to whether there will be a game or not. It's just a clash of our calendars. Um, so, which I think the rugby really added to it last year. But I think they learnt a lot, and and I've seen a lot more of people actually um, working out how to embrace the event and how to attract people. You know, we bring it to town, but we can't run their business for them. Also, well, uh, congratulations, Steve, on, on making the event better, not necessarily bigger. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, you know. Um, uh, better is um, a much better way of having it than bigger because if we had made it in some respects made it bigger it might not have been as good um, and it's about sustainability we're here for another five years plus and uh, it's really important for us that we improve year on year sustainability for long term is make sure and we will go out and, and make further improvements next year to just keep on striving to get it better and better my thanks to peter norton there also to Fogue and to gordo until next week where we wrap up Winton as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.